Thank you for tuning into the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope, a United Methodist community. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We serve the Elgin, Illinois area and are located at the corner of Randall Road and Highland. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message. First scripture reading is from Revelations chapter 1, verses 4b through 8. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the king of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Second scripture reading is from John, chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of Jews? Is that your own idea? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied and chief priest handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. May God bless the reading, hearing, and understanding of his word. So, as I normally do, I I offer you your bulletins this morning. Uh, In your bulletins, you will find scripture passages for the week. You will find questions that you can reflect on during this week, as well as places where you can take notes, where you can jot those, those urges from the Spirit that you get here this morning, because I trust that God will speak to your heart this morning and will enlighten you to something in your life. And so I ask that you pray with me. Gracious and almighty God, thank you for calling us together. Thank you for bringing us to this place as we strive to hear and understand your word. And so God, speak. May your message truly be heard. May, may the words that I speak no longer be my, my own, but they would be your words for your people. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it seems like uh, that at times we are infatuated with kings and queens, princes and princesses. Some of us love to follow royalty. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. Uh, but we, we love to see what they're up to, how, how they must live their lives. We can see this through the media's coverage of Meghan Markle, Prince William, Queen Elizabeth, and, and how could we forget the absolute frenzy that was Prince Edward and Princess Diana? Society is obsessed. But I guess, looking at our history, why wouldn't we be? For the longest time, certain lands and peoples have been governed by royal families, kings and queens. There certainly is an amount of intrigue and fascination that comes with it. However, I must tell you that my favorite king, my favorite king, is the one who's in charge of King's Hawaiian. Their bread and rolls just match so perfectly with Welch's grape juice. (laughs) Throughout our scripture, we find many kings and kingdoms. You know, this was the custom of the day. This is how countries and nations organize themselves. And how you lived, good or bad, was determined mostly by who your ruler was. Who was your king? I mean, I think if we go back through all of history, we will find good kings, but we're also going to find some not-so-good kings. We'll find those who, who care for their people and others who absolutely do not. We hear stories throughout Scripture about, let's say, King Herod, King Hezekiah, one of my favorite names, Nebuchadnezzar. Abimelech, Uzziah, Josiah, Zedekiah, Saul, Solomon, and the list goes on and on. So many kings, some good, some not so good. Another part of our actual lectionary reading that we didn't read this morning uh, for today is comes out of 2 Samuel chapter 23, and it's focused on some of the last words of King David. Uh, he's nearing the end of his life, and as he's nearing the end of his life, uh, he seems to be reflecting, reflecting on all that he has done and how God has used him in his life. And so listen as he shares his heart. The Spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, when one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God. He dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. For does not my house stand so with God? For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. For will he not cause to prosper all my help and my desire? David was a good king. Flawed? Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. But overall, was good to the people of God as he led them. But I think that, I mean, if if we look at David's life, we just see another example of flaws in humanity. 
David was susceptible to the temptations and the sins of this world. While he did so many great things to the glory of God, he also had some pretty significant downfalls. One in particular was obviously a story that you might have heard many times over, was when he saw this woman, Bathsheba, taking a bath in her house and decided that he had to have her. And then after committing adultery, he proceeded to cover his tracks by removing her husband, Uriah. Frankly, this story tells, this, this is a story that, that you actually might find probably in movies or in novels today. David was an earthly king, but he also had a connection with the divine. He had a covenant with God. So I guess you could say that he had a dual citizenship. He was part of this earthly world, but was also part of the kingdom of God. Even today, I mean, we look about this, we have examples of bad leaders, prime ministers, presidents, many others. Now, I don't want to get into who you think is a good or bad country leader, because I think we could be here all day. And I especially want to encourage those types of conversations to not happen around your table at Thanksgiving this week. Save that for another time. We've all been through too much this past year and a half. Let's just love on one another this year again. However, I do want us to think about what kind of king, what kind of leader we would like to have. What kind of king would you like to be in charge of nations? I mean, if we, if we go back to Jesus' day, we find that the Israelites were tired of being lorded over by the Roman government. The people were oppressed, kept in poverty, and basically lived in fear of the Roman soldiers and rulers. The Israelites were looking for the Messiah. Advent starts next week looking for the Messiah, the promised king who is going to come and liberate them from the oppressive leadership of the Romans. This is one reason why I think the disciples continued to misunderstand Jesus' teachings. They wanted Jesus to overthrow the Roman government. They wanted a rebellion, a revolution. They wanted a king that would come and lead by force into the dominance of the world around them. This was not Jesus' way. This wasn't God's way. There are days when I think that, that we have not really come that far. I think we're all still looking for the for the warrior Jesus who will show up and fight our battles and vindicate this country or that one as God's chosen people. And if we pay attention to Scripture, And Jesus' words, I think that we will find that, that that's just not the case when it comes to God's plan. Today's liturgical Sunday emphasis is on Christ the King. We hear this in the passage from Revelation as well as the Gospel reading from John. We hear about Jesus as King. Pilate asks multiple times if Jesus was a king. This is the charge that the Jewish leaders were leveling on Jesus. 
They were hoping that by expressing that Jesus was a king, that that would be enough to threaten Caesar's throne and then Pilate would have to have killed him. After Jesus' question about this, we get this wonderful answer. He says that his kingdom is not of this world. Easily understood as Jesus' kingdom is the kingdom of heaven. He emphasizes this by saying that, that his kingdom is not from the world. This not only sets the kingdom of heaven apart from the world, separate, but also places the kingdom before the world. Because that wording was this, his kingdom is not from the world. God's kingdom had not come from the world. But Caesar's kingdom came from the kingdom of God. I guess this points to a couple of questions for us. What is the kingdom? Where is the kingdom? Let me express to you what the kingdom is not. The kingdom, is, the kingdom of God is not geographical. It's not geographical, meaning that, that it is not this country or that country or this nation or that nation. God's kingdom does not rest on one nation. Sure, it all began with a covenant that God created with the Israelites. But Jesus came to bring the new covenant, which was for all people. All people. This means that, that God's kingdom does not favor Israel America, Africa, England, or even the island of Hawaii. Although I hear it's quite nice this time of year. <laughs> but you see, we run into problems when we feel like we know better than God. We know better than God about how the kingdom should look and how the kingdom should act. When one group of people or location of the world thinks that they have it right, God usually shows them just how wrong they really have it. God's love is for all people. And his kingdom is for all people. God's kingdom is also not chronological. This kingdom does not, is not designated for a specific time. The kingdom of God is for all time. In fact, if you remember, God's kingdom is already and not yet. This means that the kingdom has been, is, and will forever be. We can't contain it, no matter how hard we try. And finally, God's kingdom is not political. I know. I know. Many on different sides of the political spectrum will say that God is on their side, but it is just not true. There are flaws on all sides, just as there are truths on all sides. John Wesley was instrumental in bringing together the evangelical and the social gospel. Two very different points of view when it came to church traditions, but both are instrumental in Jesus' work. Early in his ministry, Jesus spoke in the temple, letting everyone know that the time had come for him to fulfill that prophecy 
from Isaiah. He quoted Isaiah saying this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the Lord's favor. This is the kingdom that Jesus came to bring near. This is the kingdom in which Jesus is Lord and King. Throughout the Gospel of Mark, we hear Jesus talking about the kingdom coming near. In fact, the words that he used would have told the people that the kingdom was here. The kingdom is at hand. It's here. Someone once asked me about, uh, about Jesus' teachings, and maybe you've had this question before. They wanted to know what he taught the most about. In other words, by his speech, what was the most important topic for his ministry? And so what would you think? Uh, would it have been sin? Mercy? Money? Love? Or grace? Would it have been condemnation, telling people that they were wrong? You see, when it comes to Jesus' teaching, he taught more about the kingdom of God than anything else. Within the gospel accounts, Jesus mentions the kingdom a little over 50 times. Does it surprise you? Does it make sense? I mean, Scripture gives us passages like Matthew 6, It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Matthew 13, 11 says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Mark 12, 34, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And finally, Luke 17, 20 and 21. The kingdom of God is not coming in the ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Some translations will actually say, within you. The kingdom of God is within you. You see, the kingdom of God is already and not yet. The kingdom will be fully revealed when Jesus returns on that wonderful day when we will see him in the east coming in the clouds, ready to usher in that new creation. But the kingdom is also already within us. It resides in our hearts. We carry the kingdom with us wherever we go. Now what kind of kingdom will totally depend on you? but I hope it will be the kind that Jesus exemplified. A kingdom of hope, of grace, and of love. But I think we need to acknowledge that this is part of our issue. This idea that God's kingdom resides inside of us presents us some challenges. This is where I find the thought of dual citizenship as a good analogy of the dichotomy that we face each day. We live in this earthly world. We really have no choice. 
Sure, we can insulate ourselves from a lot of the outside influences, but, but we can't get away from them all. We need to be in the world. However, we can choose to be in the world, but not of it. So let me explain what I mean. We can go about our daily lives. The daily lives of, of work, of leisure, of shopping, and all the other day-to-day tasks that we have, but we don't have to be taken in by what society wants us to believe and act upon. We can live our lives in the grace of God, loving our neighbors and loving our God. We can take care of others, fulfilling that command from Jesus when he said that we should feed the hungry, that we should give the thirsty something to drink, that we should clothe the naked and we should visit the sick and the imprisoned. We don't have to fall into the trap that society leaves for us, enticing us to hate our brothers and our sisters. We live in this world, but we are a part of another kingdom. We too are not of this world. We are not of this world. We hold dual citizenship as our names are written both here and in the book of life. It kind of caught me off guard this morning as we heard that passage read out of Revelation. Talking about that kingdom. And talking about how being, not being of the world, not being in the world. And so I wonder, are you living like you have dual citizenship? Are you living like your life not only lives in this world, on this earth, but that you are a part of another kingdom? That you are in the world, but you are not of it. Remember those words that Jesus says, you know, hey, all all this stuff people do all the time, but it is not to be the same with you. Because Jesus knew that we were part of the kingdom. The kingdom resides within us. We have that dual citizenship. So be in the world, but not of the world. Live the way God has commanded you to live. And that is just the simple, I'm not going to say easy, but the simple command that Jesus says, what is the greatest command of all? To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Live in that light of dual citizenship. Will you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, God, we thank you for messages that, that speak to our hearts, that challenge the way we live, the challenge how we view society around us. God, we hear this message that, that we are called to be in the world, but not of the world, that we are called to live a life higher by your purposes, a life that calls us into the very presence of your being. And so God, keep speaking to us, especially as we approach the season of thanks and the season of Advent, as we look forward to celebrating that birth of our King. 
God, we lift this all in the mighty name of our King and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we get ready to go forth from this place, knowing that it is not just this earthly life that we live, that we have part of a greater kingdom that is within us. We have dual citizenship. We are part of this world, but yet we are also not. We are part of another world. We are part of God's kingdom. And so we take that kingdom wherever we go. So when we get ready to leave this place, go across the hall and, uh, and stop by for some snacks and for some coffee, we carry that kingdom with us. We also do that as we leave this building. So when you go, know that you carry God's kingdom to all those around you, to your circles of influence. And so go. May the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with you. And may it go with you always. Amen.